podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Yo, yo. When I spit bars in a ring, I'm gonna go hard like Santan. Hello and welcome to another episode of Touchline Fracker. This is the last episode of 2023. I'm joined this week by a panel of esteemed gentlemen. Tried to represent as many clubs as we we possibly could. Um, you can tell who's not here, but we'll, we'll get into the business of what we do. Uh, I'll start with in the order with which you arrived. So, Babs, how goes it, sir? You, you know what, yeah, man. I'm I'm currently in a terrible place right now. Not mentally. I'm just I'm just back in the UK. So, right, right, right <laughs> now. I'm just not, I'm not, I'm, it's, it's not it's not it's not the best. But you know what? I'm 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 truly humbled under God. You know I'm. I'm back. You know, I, 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 had a, I had a good, I had a free, I had a good free week spell, you know, in, in, in freedom. Right. But you know, but now I'm back to reality, and you know. I, I heard you got went to get a BBL. Hey, listen, man. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know why you're looking at next to my cheeks, but that's that's kind of crazy, still. Hey, listen, don't worry, man. I, I was I was just there on holiday to enjoy some, you know, some December sun, you know, so. Yeah, yeah fair enough. Good, trip, good, good, good to have you back, Babs. It's been a it's been a while, and obviously you're you're back in top form with a Chelsea win. Some would say the timing um isn't a coincidence. Yeah, I mean you, 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 you say this, you say this, Mario. You say this, Mario. But when I left, we were tenth. Yeah. I came back with tenth. <laughs> Listen, there's, there's not been any movement. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that. Don't you worry, brother. Uh, I'm also joined fresh from Tottenham Stadium. Is that what the stadium's called? Tottenham Stadium. Oh, Tottenham Tottenham stadium. stadium yeah. Yeah, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, uh, our resident Spurs uh, lifer, Tobias, Tottenham Tobes. How are you, sir? I'm great, man. I'm great. Yeah, yeah man. All the, superlatives. All the superlatives. I am great. I'm great. Yeah? Great yes. way to end the year, yeah? Yes, yes, yes. yes. I have died. I just clutched your name, Edeso Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the, the laughter that you can hear... Uh, it's straight from where, where are you just uh, uh, 30 December just use that Le- Accra or Lagos? No, unfortunately, I'm here, man. <laughs> we love it. No 30 December for him, man. No, no 30 December for him, yeah. No worries. <laughs> Happy to have you. How, how goes it this week? Not bad. I've had a good day, you know. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry. We'll, we'll, there's a lot to get into. Like, yeah. the, the football's falling perfectly. You know, last day of the year is a Sunday, the new year starts on a Monday. You know, people are like, listen, 2024 knew me. People are like, what? So just from tomorrow, you're just going to be amazing, yeah? <laughs> yes, I am. All right. <laughs> so, before we start, I've got to do the usual unplug the social. So if you're not following on the Twitter, that's Touchline Fracker. You're watching a live stream. We're going to try and live stream as many of the episodes as we don't do in the studio as possible. So if you're not following on the YouTube, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube. 2024 is going to be really big for the visual content for us. So getting ahead of that. If you're somebody who listens on the Spotify, it gives you the option to rate the pod, but also leave a comment. So please leave a comment. If you're someone who listens on Apple, also gives you the option to rate the podcast, leave a comment, please leave a comment. Otherwise, if you're enjoying the podcast, share that around with your friends, your family, your ops. Uh, we love it. Um, but let's let's get into the business of today. And Because you went to the game live, Tobes, and because you're wearing a, a Spurs hoodie, it will be great, I think, of me to start with you, come across to, I guess, what could be looked like on paper as a potentially uh, banana pill going to the inform or Bournemouth coming to you guys, should I say. Um, how are you feeling going into this? Because I looked at the lineup and it was uh, a few players out looking a bit rough. How are you feeling? What was the mood? 
Tottenham Hotspur Stadium? Uh, the mood was just win, literally. I think most of the people, most of the people I was speaking to, and even the pod that we did in the lead up to this game, it was, the, the, the sentiment was the same. We had a tough. <laughs> we had. A, <laughs> you're. They're right. You, you bang out this green hoodie. Honestly, like this is this is literally you. But, is, this, <laughs> is, that, is this podcast content? <laughs> Bang out this green hoodie, but anyway, um, yeah, no, like the the feeling was just win. Like last game of the 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 calendar year, um, we got battered by Brighton. We had to respond strongly and just get the result over the line. But I was expecting a high scoring game. I'll be real because I felt like we were missing too many players to keep Bournemouth completely out of our out of our box and our goal. Um, But I also felt that with the way they played, if we're able to beat their press, then we're in at their defence because that's just how the manager wants them to to set up. They like to be aggressive off the ball and they like to actually commit um, players going forward. So that was my feeling. Just go get the result. Um, don't really care how you do it. Just win. Fair. And and how did you do it? Oh, <laughs> we dug in. <laughs> Passion, desire and some, some, um, some, some big performances, man. I, I, I'll be real. Bournemouth... They were the better side in the first half. I don't think we had a good first half. I feel like I would say the last three or four games we've played um, since the Newcastle game, I think we've struggled a little bit. We struggled a little bit against Nottingham Forest, struggled a little bit against Everton, struggled a lot against Brighton. And then obviously we struggled today. Um, I felt like we... I don't want to talk too much about the players that were missing, but because of the style of play that we have, where we try to build up from the back... We've been we've been getting caught out a lot recently, and we struggled to sort of move the ball from the first phase to the second phase. Um, our goal was actually quite good today. Our goal was what you'd expect from an Antipostokovu team. Like they tried to play up, we catch them in their own box, um, and then Saar drives the ball, drives the ball, and then he dispatches, buries their goalkeeper one 0 But I feel like from from around maybe minute twenty five onwards, they used the ball better than we did. They were. They had more touches in the box than we did. They had way more attempts than we did. Um, they just looked like the team that were most likely to score the next goal. Um, but they didn't really create enough clear-cut chances for their for the amount of possession and um, the amount of opportunities they had in and around our area. So it was a tough first half, I must say. It was a tough first half. But the second half, I felt like there were some big performances, man. I felt Destiny Odogi, I felt like he was... It's weird. He was playing like this sort of off the ball when they were trying to play the balls in behind. He was basically our Van de Ven today. Like he was the one that was tasked with like following the runs of Dominic Solanke or Sinistera and cutting up that that danger. And he did that not just once, twice, but I think like three times today. He was really good today. Lacelso stepped up in the second half. And oddly enough, Hoybier, I was actually shocked by Lacelso was the man of the match, but I think. The game actually turned for us in our favour when Hoybier came on because I felt like we had... Um, Saar obviously went off in the first half, so he's picked up another knock. So in the second half, we had a midfield free of Lacelso, Skip and um, Bentoncourt. Bentoncourt started... To oh, Bentoncourt's first... back in the mix, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is his first start. Uh, but he didn't, he didn't really have a good game today, to be fair, and it's to be expected. Um, their midfield was overpowering ours. Um, but I feel like... Hoybier came on in the second half and actually put his foot on the ball and actually started playing some football and we were able to, to string some passes together. And Lacelso, man, I, I have to give him his credit, man. His energy, his creativity, like he was just fantastic today. He should have had three assists today, three or four assists today, but he finished the game 
with two assists. And once he played that pass into Sun, it was lights out from from then, man. So um, it was a really good result from us in the end. And I feel like a lot of people are obviously going to, some people look at it and say, oh, why are you so happy? It's only Bournemouth, it's only Bournemouth. But when you look at it big picture, when, you're, when we're missing the amount of players we're missing and to beat a team who were, before this game, unbeaten in their last seven, four straight ma- four straight wins, including that battering at, um, at Old Trafford. Like, this wasn't an easy game for us, but we were able to to get a, a strong result in the end. So it sets us up perfectly for the new year. Yeah, and just taking care of business. Uh, Babs, Richarlison, another goal. He's going past certain guys. Boy. Yeah, he's going past a few shooters in the league. Um, what, what, what are we saying? Just told, remember, you, he came in, you were very big on Richardson Richie Lad. Uh, those of you who are on Discord in 2020 would know, constantly asking questions. That's pre-Spurs. I've just never been as big a fan. And obviously, mm. last season didn't go particularly well. This season didn't start very well either. But it seems like that kind of age, old adage about players' confidence. He's grabbed one now, and he seems to be just running with it. And he seems to be scoring that kind of down the right, cross the face, beating the defender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it seems like you guys are scoring similar goals, which we always say is a really good indication of a team that's well coached, you know, repeating repeating, um, patterns of play. So is he he just scoring or is his all-round performances looking better too? He's just scoring, man. He's just scoring. Um, I think that... Truthfully, across across all of these across all of these games, I think the only game where I can actually say he's played really well in is um is Newcastle. I thought Newcastle he had a good game today. He was he was not good. He, he was actually quite poor today. And before that goal, he missed an absolute sitter on his left foot. He missed an absolute sitter. People saying simply, "This is rum punch." Yeah, this is rum punch. You know, got to treat yourself sometimes. So yeah. You can't listen. This is still an audio experience for people. <laughs> A modicum of decorum, yeah. Please, <laughs> I know it's hard for you, but please, yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, so, so today, I don't think he had a good game, but like, if there's one thing I'll say of Richardson, at least he tries. Like, God loves a trial. And today, it wasn't an easy game for him because I actually think Senesi and Zabani—they're actually decent centre backs for for mm. Bournemouth, and they would win a lot of the the duels on the ground in the air. But I felt like he he tried. He gave as good as he got, and I think his goal gave us proper, proper breathing room in the end. So, yeah, man, um, props to him. Six Premier League, goal, Premier League goals this season, more goals than certain men across the across the road. Um, yeah, so just got to leave it at that, really. You sound like you're, you're, you're just happy. All, all in all, you're happy with the start you guys made to the season. Very. No complaints. If there's anything you could be critical about from and from the players, what would you point to? Um, overplaying. I think, I think we've we tend to overplay sometimes, um, and that results in us giving away the ball. Yeah. Um, you see, you saw it against Everton. You saw it against Brighton. You've seen it sometimes against Nottingham Forest. Because of the way we play, where we're trying to be a bit too direct, sometimes we end up overplaying and we get caught. Um, and I think that's 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 cost us. And I feel like um, sometimes we struggle to sort of take the sting out of games. Um, I feel like sometimes when we're coasting, either 2 nil up or 1-0 up, and it's time to sort of like put our foot on the ball and actually just relax the game and um, have maybe a, a spell of sterile possession, even if you, you don't have to hurt the opposition here, just keep the ball and take this thing out. I think that's something that we we aren't consistent at doing. Um, and I think that's down to not just playing style, but I feel like that's also down to the 
the profile players that we have available. A lot of our calmer heads have not really been available in recent weeks and months. And also, I feel like we're still adjusting to what the manager wants from us. But um, all things considered, it's been it's been really good, man. And when you look at the absences we've had as well, um, I can only hope that we'll have a stronger um, second half of the campaign once players are back fit and hopefully new players are are purchased. Yeah, that's a very logical, measured analysis of Spurs so far. I like it, Tobes. I feel like when all is well with your team, it just gives the, 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 the level-headed fans among us just an opportunity to really not be too high, not be too low, just call it as you see it. And I remember in the summer when we were talking about Ange and people weren't particularly sure and you guys were kind of like plodding around trying to find the manager. Be like, ah, this Ange Postacoglu, yeah, he's done it with Celtic. But I think he's, yeah, he's he's actually become a bit of a benchmark in terms of managers having a philosophy, sticking to that philosophy, getting yeah. the best out of players, showing the difference between when a team is well coached, even when they don't have their best players available and st- mm-hmm. still being able to persevere, but also seeming to have like the man management skills. Yeah, you could put out like, some contradictions from him in the press, but what manager doesn't contradict themselves right after a result? So yeah, I'm actually quite fuming that you guys seem to have, you know, got the right manager in. Um, you're linked up with Conor Gallagher. They're saying 40, 50 million all in from the Blues yeah. for else. Uh, where's your head at? Um before I answer this as well, sorry, there was one more thing I forgot yeah, to add in terms, of, in terms of things that we could do better that I've not really been happy with. I'll finish it. I think when everyone's been fit, our attack has probably been the the least or the, the lowest performing part of our team when everyone is fit and available because the conversion is just poor. The decision-making at times is, is a bit iffy. So that's something that we need to improve either with better personnel or just players up in the levels, as Richarlison has done in recent weeks. Obviously, we hope that Brennan starts to add some goals. Obviously, he's adding some assists. Um, Kulisewski continues to start scoring more, assisting more, etc., etc. So, um, yeah, back onto your point with Conor Gallagher. Where's my head at with it? We've spoken about this before, and we've spoken it on Twitter as well. Like, if it was down to me, I wouldn't be going for Conor Gallagher. I just don't really feel like he's a player that we absolutely need. Um, and I actually think he's... He's mid, to be honest. I think he's mid. However, um, the manager is is keen on him, and the price doesn't seem like it's a price where like I can rip out what little hair I have in my head anyway. Like it's not, it's not the end of the world. <laughs> it's not the end of the world. 40, 40 million. Um, when I say it's not the player that we that I feel we need, I, I say that because he plays as like a central mid. Like he's a, he's a number eight, and in our team right now. We had Bentancourt, who had some of his best moments in Spurs playing in the number eight role for us last season. We've had Saar, who's been fantastic for us in the number eight role this season. Um, so when you're looking at our team, for me, I'm I'm more about trying to plug in the gaps that are visible as opposed to strengthening strengthening areas that we already have um, skills skills in. And I feel like Conor Gallagher does the latter instead of the former. However, um, the manager is keen on him. He's really, really keen on him. We wanted him in the summer. Um, he now wants him again in January. He's young, 23 years old. He's English. So he helps us tick the homegrown quota, which is something that we've been mindful of over the last couple of years. We've always we've been keeping our eye out on like young English players that we can buy to sort of help us like get around that quota. Um, and I feel like his playing style is exactly what Antipostokoglu wants. I think if you look at how we play this season... 
we have a manager who's obsessed with players who can dominate big spaces, right? You need guys who can cover a lot of ground. And I feel like at the very least, I can say that there's a specific role that Conor Gallagher just slots straight into. It's not like you're signing a player where it's like, oh, maybe he could play left or maybe he could play DM or whatever. Like, no, like we know it's quite clear what the manager wants to do with Conor Gallagher. He wants to play him in the right eight role. And to his credit, I'll actually be nice here. I feel like the one thing I can see him bringing that we don't have in that right eight role is goals. I feel like from what I've seen of him in the Premier League, he looks a much more accomplished finisher than than, than Benton Core and um, and Papi Matasar um, when he's arriving in the box as well. So I feel like we're going to try our best to utilize that part of his game if he is to sign for Spurs. Um, so yeah, let's let's see, man. At this point, we need bodies, we need players. So bring him in if that's the if that's who the manager wants, and they think the deal can be done. Just get him in. Yeah, you want to like now if if and wants it, you're down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. I'm waiting for Babs, of all of us on the call, you're the one who would have watched Gallagher the most. Obviously, he seems to have been a, a pretty key part of Poch's side, plays really, really regularly. What I'm hearing on the on the web, what I'm seeing is generally positive reviews um, from the Chelsea fans. Where do you stand with Conor Gallagher and do you think he would be a good signing for Spurs? I'm quite similar to where um, I was before, but I'm not quite sure why Spurs want to sign him um, in terms of that profile-wise. I, I, for me personally, I think it's a bit obvious that they're a team that's in need of a midfield that's going to put the, put his foot on the ball, you know, calm it down, you know, set the tempo, you know, offer something different to Basuma. Because whereas Basuma is, I wouldn't say he's a natural six in the fact that he's not someone going to dictate the tempo. He's still someone that's able to like, you know, set 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 pace. You know, with his dribbling, you know, by evading the press and helping him in the third phase. And I think. That's the kind of midfielder that they need. A first fade midfielder that's going to help them, you know, build up. You know, if the game gets a bit rocky, they could potentially even put Madison out wide, put Basuma in at eight and get another six on the pitch to try and control it a bit more. And I'm not quite sure if Gallagher is going to be the person to, the person to do that. But the question then becomes, is that what Ange wants? And I feel like sometimes as fans, we kind of end up getting into something of like, you know, where, where, where we talk about what we think a team needs, whereas a manager clearly thinks something different. And I think sometimes um, it's important to obviously, you know, support the manager, but other times you have to actually also still be able to question the manager because he's going to put quite a sizable investment in the Gallagher. And if that doesn't work out in terms of what the team needs, there's going to be questions of him coming, coming off of that. Um, but in terms of um, his um, skill set, I think in terms of ball winning, I think that's a massive thing that he's going to bring to the team. But then again, my thing is they've really got that in Benton, Corsa um, and Basuma. Um, he's not exactly the best of ball carriers. Um, yeah. In terms of his goal threat, I think he's there. Coming through the academy and coming through Chelsea, I didn't think he was a massive goal threat, but at, Child at Charlton and Crystal Palace, he showed he, he was a quite a good ball striker. So that's definitely something that we can see at Spurs, but currently at Chelsea, he's not really been one of the things he's been able to um, show at the top level. And he's actually kind of struggled in front of the goal, but you never know again, you know, so it's still a small sample size, you know, here, here at Chelsea. So it's definitely something you can build upon. But in terms of his skill sets, you know, it's definitely the ball winning, the energy he's going to bring to the team. But again, these are skill sets I really think they've really got. Um, I think they've really got it in players which are significantly more talented, especially in Saar. Um, So personally, I don't understand the signing. If they want to give us 50 million, I'm more than happy to accept that. Yeah, you'll take that. Nah, we don't, we're not 50 million. I don't, I don't, not 50 million. Well, 40, 50. Listen, I'll, I'll, I'll take that, man. 
No, I'll say that because I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just a bit perplexed as to okay, what Andrew's going to do. Bro. That's pure prof. Yeah, pure prof, man. Pure prof. I, I think, I, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm just really confused about what you're going to do personally. I hear you. I hear you, and I feel like if I was, if, if even me as a Spurs fan, I'm like, I, that's the first thing I thought of because he was linked with us in the summer, and that, that was what I was thinking. Obviously, Hoybier was the one that was, that, that was rumored, and it's still rumored to leave the club. So the, 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 the intention is, if you can get rid of Hoybier in January or in summer then you use those funds to go out and get Conor Gallagher. But my thing is, we're replacing someone who, he isn't a number six, but he plays number six for Spurs. We only have Basuma there, who's the who's a trusted number six, because Skip is not good enough, to be honest. He's not good enough for Spurs, but he's a homegrown lad, so we'll keep him around the squad. But he's not good enough. Like It's clear he's not good enough. So to your point, Babs, I think it's for me, it was quite clear, and it still is clear that Spurs still need that tempo setter in the first phase. And I think um, if Gallagher comes into the team, it's quite clear from the way Andrew's used him this so far this season that Benton Core will be the one that will compete with um, with Basuma for that sixth role. And I like Benton Core. I think he's a very good player, but I, I feel like, and whilst I do think he's got skills suited to that role in terms of his ability to sort of beat pressure and make the short progressive passes in the first phase, I've got a bit of bias personally here, and I've been saying this for the longest. I feel like outside of James Madison, Spurs are lacking midfielders who can open up a game of football with one pass. As in, like you get the ball 20, 30 yards right on the feet of the of the of the wingers out wide, or you find someone um through the middle. Like we've got players who can do it, like Pedro Porro, Romero, but I want that skill set in the midfield. Like I want that skill set in the midfield, and that's a skill set we've lacked in the midfield, in my opinion, since the likes of Ericsson or Modric. Like I don't know what it is with Spurs. No matter how good we've done, for some reason we we never want to pad our team with with guys who can like have this extremely expansive passing range. And it's just a thing for me. I want a number six who's a bit different from Basuma, who can just sit, sweep, and just spray that ball all over the pitch. Right. So. That's my ideal, but clearly, want clearly he wants to go with Gallagher. So if he wants to go with Gallagher, then um, we're going to make do with um, Benton Core and Basuma, which I, which in my opinion is still a good number six um, pairing. But I feel like we could get better personally. Fair, fair. Congrats to Spurs, I guess. Let's let's go on to the other game today. Um, we're on the west side of London. It was. Fulham against champions-elect Arsenal. Um, it didn't go very well. Disu, you've kind of been a... Listen, I've known you a while now. Very vocal. You tend to have opinions which a lot of the time are much maligned and time passes and you're able to kind of circle back. To mention a few this season, James Madison, you're, you're beating over beating us over the head with that one, to be honest with you. <laughs> Quite thankful he's injured because that means I had, had not had to see a retweet of that. Guy asked me about Madison tweet. Um, we've spoken about Dixon Rice. Um, and Arsenal, I guess, had a, a week, and it's an all eyes on me week because this is that period post Christmas in between New Year's where we're all at home. Every day feels like a Saturday, and they've lost twice. Um, so today, I think against West Ham midweek, they were unlucky. They had a lot of chances. Players were wasteful on the ball. But today was abject, you know? They didn't look threatening whatsoever. They looked lethargic, slow. Fulham were good back for their win. And to be honest, I didn't see Arsenal scoring again. Fulham equalised. But from your perspective, you don't have an Arsenal fan on today. Um, 
from your perspective, how did today go and what are you seeing with this year's iteration of Arteta's Reds? Yeah, um, it's an interesting one. Yeah, to, um, in previous games, I think like the West Ham game, I think, and they, who did they beat? They beat Brighton at home 2 0. Both games, they were very, very wasteful the opportunities they had, especially the Brighton game. This game, I don't really feel like they had a plethora of chances to waste. Saka like had a quite a big chance, which he just scattered over the bar, which was pretty bad for me. It was like a, a volley, simple volley, like six yards out. But they looked very lethargic. Their build up was very slow. Fulham were jumping all over them in the midfield. And really, especially in the second half, even though Fulham were winning, they looked like the most likely to get the next goal. I don't know, even though it was a draw, Fulham looked more likely to get the next goal. And even when it went, went 2-1, they still looked more likely to score. Late right. in the game, it's going to be 3-1. I just waiting for it to be 3-1. Do you get what I'm saying? Oh, TG, let me down. No members. Yeah, you know what they're like. But in terms of what I'm seeing from Arsenal, like Shannon Sharp says this on his on the variety of the shows he's on. Never accepts what you... Never accepts... What does he say? Never accepts uh, what you want in a win. Don't accept in a win. Sorry, I butchered that. Don't accept in a win what you wouldn't accept in a loss, right? And I think a lot of that we see from football fans. You had it with United uh, when we were like, oh, yeah, Oli's amazing. Oh, Ten Hag's amazing. They were confused. Like A few <laughs> a few months later when we're doing the same things that are dangerous and what leading to leading to losses. I think the same thing with Arsenal. Obviously, Arsenal are a very good team, so it's not to the same extent. But they looked very lethargic in build-up. Um, they don't want to talk about a particular somebody and his impacts on a particular somebody. Um, is a couple hints. He costs about £105 million. They, <laughs> they, no, they embarrassingly, no, they pathetically <laughs> make no fun of me to give West Ham more money. Like, see yours and these right up the headers? Give me more of that. Like, that's what they wanted, right? So what we're seeing today is like, the amount of times that he got on the ball, and the reason why I'm picking him out in this is because of the discourse, and he was doing the same things in the wins, is that when you want to play a particular style of football, which is like possession-based, you're building up from the back, you're creating overloads, you're keeping the ball moving, a lot of short passes, and you're play- and teams know you're good, they're going to sit deep, they're going to protect the spaces. You can't afford for that ball to be moving slowly. And if that ball's moving slowly, or not, you're losing an opportunity to attack. So if Odegaard pops in a gap, or Havertz, or whoever it may be, Declan Rice can see them, but he's like, mm, I'll just give it sideways. Or he'll receive the ball in congested areas and just bounce it back. Or just dribble into one of his other players and give the ball to him. And although he's excellent defensively, well, not that much today, because he got spun a couple of times, like that slows things down. And we're seeing their attack across the board, limited opportunities. And with their limited opportunities, they're not doing much. Martinelli scored 15 goals last year. He's got like two. Saka, I can't remember how many goals. Saka's got six goals, three non-penalty goals, or three or four non-penalty goals. Gabba Jesus got three goals. Inketia's got five goals. Like They're not really scoring at a high rate. And I think he's hindered them in that regard, but he's also brought positives in the defensive stuff. They're not getting nothing from Havertz either. Literally, bro's literally just running around, cuz. Literally mm. just running around. And when... And I think last year they relied a lot on their, on their wide players to be that constant threat, beating players inside, outside, getting goals, getting assists. They have not been well. Saka's been pretty good, but Martinelli has been awful. Awful, awful. He got hooked. So I think Fulham are great, great value for the win. And I think football fans, Touchline Frackers listeners, if you win and if you lose, that shouldn't change your assessment of what a man's on the pitch. Do you know what I'm saying? 
Yeah. So when I'm saying, oh, yeah, Rice has been really well, but he can't, he, he's not finding a pass here. He takes six touches on the ball and he'll score a last minute header. Then I mentioned, oh, see, I thought you said he won a match winner. I'm like, yeah, um, you anyone can win a match on a one off occasion. A match winner is someone who does it consistently, which he, he's a DM, he's not meant to be. But I just find it funny that the things I was saying when Arsenal winning, a couple dodgy results, and all of a sudden, man can see it. Wait, hold on, what? The tell of the tape was there. So, yeah, man. It's very interesting. It's very interesting. I'm enjoying the pain. I'm enjoying the pain. Man, I'm saying it went from, yeah, title winning, Declan Rice is the missing piece to win a top four scrap. I don't mind that, bro. I don't mind that. So, yeah. More of a story, kids, is don't spend 100 million on DMs. Don't. <laughs> Babs, Tobes, is there anything you want to add to, to Dissy's thoughts about Arsenal? Yeah. You told me you didn't catch the game, Babs. You, you, I'm hoping yeah, you I've got, I've got, yeah. got quite a few thoughts actually. Oh, okay. um, and it's actually building off of, of what this you said. So I know a lot of what um, the TG lot of talked about was, um, you know, the advancements in Arsenal, you know, becoming a bit more of a boring team, you know, a bit more of a team, you know, in control who doesn't, who don't take as many risks. So it doesn't, you know, quote unquote, fire back at them in terms of um, the actual um, chances they, they concede. And I get that in terms of a team becoming more more regimented, but I just think they don't have the attack, you know, to actually allow that to happen, you know. And when you compare what they were doing last season in terms of how quickly they wanted to kill teams, and yeah, it was a risk in terms of how quickly they were moving the ball, but what they were doing so well, in my opinion, last season was they were getting those one or two goals, you know, early on in the game, and it would absolutely kill a, kill the opposition. You know, they did it against us, you know, at um, the Emirates. They did it against Spurs, I remember, um, at their ground. They did it against United. You know, just getting those early goals, you know, moving the ball extremely quickly and just killing opposition teams. And when I look at um, a big part of that, I think is the two midfield additions, you know, in terms of Havertz and, and Declan Rice. So I know a lot of the Arsenal fans have been happy with the upgrade, quote-unquote, from um, Partey to Rice defensively. But what I was saying um, to the guys in Chelsea, um, before one today especially, is when you're a team that, controls the ball for 65% of the possession. Yeah, defence is going to be important, but it's not going to be anywhere as, as important as your actual on-ball value. You know, what you're actually doing as a midfielder to actually impart yourself on your opposition, you know, how you're breaking lines, how you're allowing your team to build up from the first phase. Is your team able to win from the first phase with just a, so, a solo six? Because that's the system that they want to play. And if you're playing um, a Havertz rather than a Xhaka, your actual progression is dropping well off a cliff. So now there's so much actual reliance on the number six in Declan Rice, and it's not a, a big strength for him. He can do it to a degree, but it's not his biggest strength. That's that's way more in the party, you know, um, strength catalog. So when you go from that to that to that to Rice, yeah, you're gonna you know uh, earn a lot more defensively, but you're already averaging 65 percent on the ball anyway. So you're actually controlling the game, man. What you need more of is actually is that actual on the ball value, and when you've already lost Xhaka and you've added a make a mish midfielder in Havertz, I don't know how else to to describe him, but boy, you're not it's going to be a struggle. It's going to be a real real struggle, and you already saw you know there were some games this season where Erdegaard and he had to drop in a bit deeper, and you know his actual influence in the final third was waning a bit because he had to do a lot more, you know, in the midfield, and yeah. It's, it's, it's so interesting because for, for me, right, in, in terms of the DM thing, if you look at the, the mold of a Declan Rice, yeah. you, it's very similar to Paulinho. 
he's better on the board than Paulinho, but he's an offensive juggernaut. That's his thing. And I think yeah. as a low half team, it's okay because you're not going to be holding possession a, a lot. You know, your team is going to be trying to transition as much as possible. So you, you win the ball, the ball, you give it to your attackers. And he carries the ball well. Yeah. Exactly. But at a team like Arsenal, whereby you need to be able to play the ball quickly, you know, progress play, you know, be able to bounce the ball around the corner with one touch, you know, receiving it off both legs, both feet. It's just, it's just not something he's able to do. And for mm. 105 million, it's something that you need, you know, fr- from your refielder. But it's, well, it's, yeah. it's very interesting. And, and, and it's also a thing of like Arteta, you know, you've done a fantastic job. But I think as fans, you know, it's important that whilst you praise a manager for what they've done, you also have to put the lens on them for what they're also looking to do. And what he's been looking to do with this midfield, they're going to have to start questioning his decision-making because he's actually, in my opinion, kind of broken something that was working so, so well. You know, so, so well in terms of actual, um, how would I say, the skeleton of the midfield. Because they had a, they had a tactic that was working extremely well for them for the of the season. And at the times it was weren't working was when obviously when party was down out, down injured and they've kind of like completely chucked that to the wayside to build something completely different and yeah it's, it's, it's very very different it's very very interesting and it's going to be interesting to see how Arteta goes on to build it but fix it because I know um for instance um and he made a very interesting point early on in the season the fact that last season attacking wise that was actually the outlier for Arsenal. You know, in terms of how they were able to attack, you know, their attackers getting numbers. That was the outlier compared to what they've seen throughout the other seasons. And so far, you know, the attack is not looking as free-flowing. The attackers aren't getting, you know, the joy they were once getting last season. So, Arteta, you're going to have to find some sort of way to really, you know, rectify this because... Can, can we hold on the Arteta point, yeah? Because this is mm. what I don't understand from football fans, yeah? Okay, cool. You lot get Arteta. Um, he takes over from Emre, who you hated. So he took over, what, like, November, December times? Mm. Came in eighth, finished eighth. The next season, finished eighth. Season after that, bottled top four, finished fifth. Then the season after that, great season up until the very end, bottled the title, but cool. They were saying, now they're linked with Declan Rice and Kai Havertz, players that they have watched. Maybe not as closely as they, they could have, as Chelsea and West Ham fans respectively would have, but they've seen enough of, right? They're like, oh no, we trust Arteta. If Arteta rates them, what has he done to win your trust? If City fans were saying this about Pep or Liverpool fans about Klopp, I understand there's a history there. Not even just at those clubs, but at previous clubs of excellence, player identification, whatnot, whatnot. So they kind of like just said, yeah, we're going to trust that. I'm like, bro, like, why do, the profiles don't make sense? Havertz is not really a midfielder. I don't know what I don't know what bro is. Bro's just out here just. Bro's just doing bro. Like, he's like, I'm just doing mate. Like, that's what he's doing in the midfield, yeah. And Declan Rice, he's a very good defensive player, but bro, bro treats the ball like it's got COVID. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, you can have it back. Do you know what I'm saying? So I was thinking, you're going to have to change your style. You can't play the same way. And we've seen them tactically bring Odegaard deeper into, like, in full up play to kind of negate that. And it's kind of like, like, dismantling what they're doing in the final third. Because in the final third, De- them, them attackers, bro. <laughs> them, them, them attackers are not moving a needle. And I wanted to get this little vibe, yeah, because Gabby Jesus, yeah, Gabriel Jesus, the gingerbread man, yeah. Bro has had about like five interviews in the last seven weeks about how scoring gives him nightmares, 
They asked, bro, what's his favourite goal? He says, I don't really score that much. I'm not a striker, this, that, and the third. This is the same bro who's at City said in an interview that, oh, when Pep plays Zinchenko, false line, yeah. <laughs> Instead of me, I knew I had to leave, yeah. And this is the same man that Arsenal fans keep telling us it's top class, he's this, he's that. Let me give you a quick rundown, yeah, of players that have outscored Gabriel Jesus. So Gabriel Jesus has got three goals so far. We are currently, what, recording this in the last day of the calendar year. So half of the season. So he's on pace to score six goals. Fantastic. Darwin Nunes, five goals. Richarlison, who people are calling, oh, nine, six goals. Callum Wilson, who shares duties with Isaac, seven goals. Mbwemo, seven goals. Nicholas Jackson, who everybody thinks is the worst striker in the Premier League, seven goals. Isaac, who shares with Wilson, eight goals. Watkins, nine goals. Solanke, 12 goals. I haven't mentioned um, Haaland. I haven't mentioned Salah. I haven't mentioned Son. These are like the top, top shooters. But Arsenal need to get more production from their nine. They just have to. And when you're playing, in, especially if you're playing this style of football, which is a bit more defensive, when you get chances, you've got to tuck them because you're in very tight games, it seems, where you're not creating a barrage of chances. Martinelli, what bro's been bro's getting hooked every single game, fam. Is it is like is like bro's like a power league session, you've got 60 minutes and you've got to get out and for the next team. Like that's how it's nasty work. So yeah, man, I think Arsenal fans really need to kind of assess how much you want to say, just agree with anything Arteta says. Like, because I think that's crazy. I don't think he's put enough work in, shown enough competence over a period of time where you can basically not trust your eyes. I think with um so for me, I think I sort of get why they were not so much with the signings, but I get I get the whole like I'm gonna trust Arteta because I feel like there's been a couple of players that they brought in. Obviously, some of them have gone a bit pear shaped now, but there were a couple of players that he brought in and and they really like have become a success for Arsenal. So like Ben White for 50 million, people were like, yeah, he's a decent player, but mm, 50 million that seems like quite a lot of money. And lo and behold, he's become one of their most important players and so on and so forth, right? So he's been mid this year. That's what they're saying. Pardon? They're saying he's been mid this year. <laughs> yeah, he's not been he's not been as good as he was last season, but he's still ever present. But I, I get why there's like trust in what the manager is doing because I feel like you've seen Arsenal on a upward trajectory um, for the last couple of years, right? I think with with Arsenal as a whole, just touching back on the Declan Rice thing, I think he has been. I think he's been he's been fantastic for them this season. But like Rice's limitations are his limitations, and I do think. He has used the ball to a to a better standard um, than I I would have expected for for from him this season. I think he has enabled them to a certain extent, but I also feel like to your point, Bisu, um, these are things that like were present with Rice before he joined Arsenal. Like these are things that he was doing at West Ham and he was doing for England and. Um, the gaslighting to a certain extent to to basically make it out as if like people are wrong for assessing what he can offer versus what Thomas Partey can offer. Um, I feel like that sort of gaslighting was a bit was a bit disingenuous from Arsenal fans. I do think that the attacking problem, I can understand where Rice could help with that in terms of like quickening the speed and stuff like that. But to be honest, I'm looking at Arsenal's attack this season. And I think these guys to a man are just not playing well enough. Like they stink right now. I think Saka's, Saka's the only one who's actually... Given them, given them anything close to the levels that he showed last season, I think Martinelli, Martinelli's dangerous, but uh, Saka, nasty. I think Odegaard in the last couple of games, the only one who's 
you've actually seen trying to get stuff cracking. I think you can nebulous sense say Saka's having a all right season. I don't think he's been as good as last season either. No, he's not. Not as good as last season. Fallen off a cliff these last couple of games. Let's let's call a spade a spade. As my mum, you know, he has, he has, he has. He's been he's been stinky, right? But what I'm saying is, I feel like relative to what you expect from these players, at the very least, he's had up. He he's had output. He's had chances created, even though he's had stinky performances. Whereas Gabriel Martinelli, two Premier League goals at yeah. the half of the stage of the season. That's crazy. Gabriel Jesus, this we, we we went back and forth with so many of the guys in our chat. Obviously, some agreed with us, some didn't didn't agree. We've been saying this since since last season with Gabriel Jesus. You need your striker to score goals because there's gonna come games where where um Martinelli isn't banging, where Saka isn't banging, where where well, they told us coach, they said as long as I'm as long as we're top of the league. I don't care. Yeah, like, and and the I thing think, is, like, I, yeah. get, I get obviously, I get people want to like. I think Martinelli deserves criticism. Saka deserves criticism. Even Odegaard early in the season deserves criticism as well. But we have to remember, Gabriel Jesus is the oldest of all of these players. Martinelli's twenty-two. Saka is twenty-two. You're twenty-six. You're the number nine. You came here with a chip on your shoulder and a point to prove. And yet, every single opportunity you get in front of goal in the Prem, you sky everything over the bar. No composure, no finesse, no nada. Like, sorry, you can jink and jink all... You can jink and jink as much as you want. If you're not sticking the ball in the back of the net, your team aren't going to win as many foot matches as they should be winning. That's the fact. And that's the hard I reality. I think, I think that you guys have kind of talked... Baz especially talked about Arsenal versus last season. I think another factor teams haven't or um I was always interested in seeing the season is how teams would play against Arsenal now they kind of have been re-established as a good mm. team. When, 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 you, when you start to get that respect, you know, when exactly. teams are sit, sit few... complaining about that early in the season, you know, mm. the whole you know they they double up and Saka, you know fucking shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and sorry, so I, I didn't watch the game, but like I, I can just tell what kind of performance Kai Havertz had. And I think back on the point with Arteta as well, you have to question some of the decisions Arsenal have made in terms of the money that they spent on certain players and in terms of the way in which he's been able to, to build out his attack. Like you look at the money that they've committed to their midfield and attack and yet we're scratching our heads whenever Arsenal needs something different from their front three because you're like, who's gonna, who's gonna, who's gonna, who's gonna come on and change the game for for Arsenal? Reese Nelson, new contract, Emil Smith Rowe, limbo in terms of injury, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Fabio Vieira, God knows where he is. God knows where he is. Eddie Nketiah, your defense is in trouble. Remember they were singing that last season when Nketiah is in the room. Now all of a sudden they want him gone. So I'm here thinking, like, hang on a second. You definitely need to answer for a lot of questions in terms of how you've been able to build out your attack, your, your attacking strength and depth and your midfield strength and depth. Because in the attacking positions, Arsenal look like they miss a step in terms of the players that can come off the bench and change the games in their fortune. People will mention someone like Trossard, for instance, but Trossard, as many goals as he can score for Arsenal this season, he's a non-entity when he's outside the box. He's a non-entity for Arsenal. So... Questions need to be asked, man. Questions need to be asked. And if they... Ha- if, listen, I think <laughs> they're, they're on 40 points. They're two points behind Liverpool. Yeah. And they're on, the, they're on the same amount of points as Man City, I believe. With a, Obviously, Man City have a game. game and, and, like, yeah. the, the gap is not insurmountable. Like I don't really understand what's causing this insane meltdown I'm seeing on Twitter. People just losing their heads like for, for no reason. Oh, we weren't as good as we... Like, all of a sudden, you went from, oh, my God, we're the best team ever to, oh... 
I've seen the signs in summer. Like, just relax and just be sensible. <laughs> just be sensible. Yeah, like, Arsenal okay. aren't out of the title race. There's work that needs to be done with their current personnel, and they should be looking in January to see who they can bring in to give their squad a little bit of a lift. Because wow, needs no, they should. The attack further, needs further, further investment. They need further investment. Absolutely, absolutely. That attack is not good enough to win a league title right now. It's not. That's a fact. Okay. Sorry, Gabriel. You know, I, I, I can't disagree, but I think that's that's what you go two hundred mil all in in the summer for, right? But Havertz is supposed to be. Boy, Hundred and sixty-five million on Havertz and Declan Rice is is actually insane, bro. Like you're trying to, like, bro. If I was, is it what's his name, Tixie? Yeah. If I was yeah. Tixie, Shake Man, so and Pep, I'm like, cheers, 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 cheers. We got it. <laughs> we got him. We motherfucking got him, bro. When City hit with that Declan Rice pump fake, I can't believe it, bro. If City come in for your player, don't bid anymore. They keep getting up, bro. If they hit you the pump fake, don't buy it. You're gonna give up yeah. two foul shots, fam. Yeah. Don't buy on the pump fake, fam. I've yet to see anyone go into that tussle with City, get the player, and City be like, ah man, we really missed out. You really they did no, it with bro. they did it with Maguire. Russ would be a problem at Man City, though. You know what I'm saying? How? Hot potato. 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 Match I don't think he's as much of a hindrance as, as 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 you say. I, I get that he is a hindrance. I don't think he's as much. Bro, do you think he could play at City and turn down vertical passes? Listen, I think if he played at City, if he played at City, if he played at City, you got players who can do that work for him. You got players that will play. Where has City ever played, played midfielders that can't pass vertically? Well, he can pass vertically. Just can't no, do no, it. The why is he not doing it? He just Why can't do it. Okay, okay, oh, okay. I, I don't want to do it, you know. I just don't want to do Listen, it. Listen, he just can't do it. He can't do it with a frequency. He can't do it to the frequency. Man's watching Netflix Yeah. Um, let's 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 keep it moving. Obviously, like you say, Toby, it's not the end of the world. The Arteta, the, the Arteta out truthers are back. You know, they're like the flat earth truthers, you know. Like, we live, we see loads of evidence the world isn't flat. Then one thing happens... And, I told you, man, the world was flat. So I saw that guy fully over the edge. They can hold <laughs> everything, everything that's happening to them. They can hold that, honestly. They yeah, can hold yeah. that. Yeah, I hear that. I hear that. So let's let's keep it moving because it was a busy week and a busy weekend. Disu, um, Sun, uh, Saturday, five thirty. All eyes on me. Special. It's an all eyes on me. Special. It's like Dance yeah. United have been all eyes on me for the last month. Um, and you are obviously the comeback win against Villa midweek. The vibes were tremendous around the club, you know. Enios are in now, um, but then you've got uh, Nottingham Forest new manager bounce. They beat uh, Newcastle midweek. Chris Wood acting out of character. I ain't never ever seen you yeah, act like this, yeah, before. Like this before. I ain't what? never ever seen you act like this before. So Manchester, what, what he did to um, who was it? Trippier, wasn't it? Oh, was it Dan Burn? Dan Burn. It was Dan Burn. Then he got hooked. <laughs> House, like you're coming off. Yeah, <laughs> Are you crazy? Yeah. How come I jam God by the football? Are you mad? Oh. Yeah. So pre-game, um, Hoyland goes out with 
this illness which seems to be going around the squad. And I'm going to be honest with you. Up until up until Hoyland got it, I was like, these guys are just using. This guy's illness. Praise, by the way. He's praying for. <laughs> these guys are just using illness as an excuse to not play because it was. Oh, Marshall was ill for Marshall, all the guys who weren't getting on with ETH were out of the squad because of illness. Rashford, Varane, Marshall, Hoyland getting it gives it a bit more credence, you know. Um, but for me, once I saw that, and that meant that Rashford was going to have to go central, which meant Garnacho was going to have to go to the left, which meant that Anthony was going to have to start. That was, I, I knew we weren't winning. Um, but talk us through your thoughts on the team, the performance, decisions made by ETH, uh, cameos made by players. What, 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 where's your head at? Uh, yeah, so that game was a was a very disgusting game in the first half. Like, I was struggling to stay stay alive for that game. To be honest, like it was really, really difficult. Not much was going on. Not many chances created. We looked very sluggish. Like Ericsson, Hoofball, Bruno on the periphery, Garnacho's just, ugh, just running, just just running, cause just running, cause I think Nottingham Forest are slightly better, but they didn't really have much about them. And then second half, obviously, um, we made a sub, which has been quite controversial. Um, Mayno came off for McTominay. And it's interesting because um, Ten Hag said it was tactical. They said that uh, Mayno was running out of energy, which is understandable. But I think it would have been worth seeing how we done in the next 20, 15 to 20 minutes because the game flips with that substitution, right? Because then they were just breaking and getting space on the edge of the box. Uh, Mayno was plugging in a lot of gaps. He actually ran a lot in the first half. But McTominay gets his reputation as this defensive midfielder that can tackle, he's strong, he's good in duels, he reads the game well. He's really not. Like, if you watch a lot of United games, he's always just jogging. He, he doesn't spot danger. When he does get there, he just fouls. So, uh, edge of the box, was it Dominguez who scored? I can't remember the person who scored. Yeah. Um, cut back, not edge of the box, like, around the penalty spot. Cut back, good finish, far corner, we're 1-0 down. Thankfully, Nat Turner, Mr. it's a dogfight out here. Kind of gift us a goal. I think this was was very good play from Garnacho. The way he read that, and what I was shocked about was that it was in a two-one-two situation. But he could have shot, which he usually does ninety-nine percent of the time. But he actually cut it back to Rashford, and that was a good finish. But that was like his only impactful action of the game, which got us a goal. So he kind of blinded that. But Anthony Garnacho, Rashford as a trio were just non-threatening. I never felt that we were going to score until we actually scored. Um, McTommy comes on and then it just becomes just like Morgan's gives White's getting a ton of space. Alanga's running at us. Like, I, I think that like, they were super comfortable. Um, Ahmad came on. That's the only positive of the game that Ahmad's alive. He came on. You saw it's just it's little things, but we're starving of it. Oh, this guy actually can control the ball. This guy makes good decisions. This guy passes and moves. Like, you could see a bit of, and he was kind of linking a bit of play. So that's kind of promising. Uh, Anthony came off injured or subbed. I don't know if he's injured, then that's promising news. But it's just like another day in the office for Manchester United. We can't attack. I think I saw the stats. Hold on. I think I saved the picture um, about United stats offensively. And it's just absolutely tragic, if you ask me. Uh, where is it? Yeah, so United rank is a Premier League this season. And this is not after four games. This is halfway for the season. Where what, match week 20? So this is a good 50% of the season. In terms of goals, we are 18th. 18th. 17 teams have scored more goals in Manchester United Premier League. XG mm -hmm. performance. So we're underperforming our XG by 7.4 goals. So we're actually 19th in XG performance. So in terms of being clinical, we're the second 
least clinical team in the league. Shot conversion, 20th. We're the worst. <laughs> That's a shot conversion. <laughs> scoring goals in the first half, we're 19th, right? So what this shows is that we don't create enough chances. And when, even when we do, we are so bad and can't even take them, right? And this is just completely and utterly abhorrent and unforgivable for Manchester United manager. And I think we had a couple of good vibes because Villa were stupid enough to let to play a high line against us. That's all we can do. Just run there. Good evening. All we can do. All we can do is so they play into our hands. And obviously we've got um, Enos in now, but we're still that same demoralising, depressing team. This is the worst Man United team in my lifetime. And I've seen us have teams with Kieran Richardson, John O'Shea, or Alice Smith in centre mid. But this is by far the worst Man United team. <laughs> for, for Babs, for Tobes, from the outside looking in, how, do, how does the Manchester United situation play to you? It looks it looks bad, man. And I guess it will improve a little bit. With, well, I say a little bit. It will improve to a certain extent once players are back fit. Like, you've got players like Lisandra who've been missing for pretty much the whole season, who's a big component on how you lot build out. Um, Casemiro, I don't know whether that's even a plus these days with the way he was playing before his injury. But I do think you've not had your luck with the injuries. However, I think fundamentally the way the coach has you guys set up looks spooky as hell. I think his inconsistency in not just like a method to how you're going to beat teams, but even just the, the group of players that he decides that he trusts is spooky to say the least. McTominay and, and Maguire were outcasts before a ball was kicked. All of a sudden, they're now the ones you're calling upon for your tactical adjustments. You've got senior guys like Varane who basically had to come in and put in a strong performance against Liverpool just to get his place back into, back into the team. I think his use of funds on the players that he he was meant to bring in to make your squad better. These players haven't made your squad better. I'm looking at players like Anthony. He's made your squad worse. I'm looking at players like Mason Mount. Not necessarily made your squad worse, but you've just brought in a player who doesn't really address any of the glaring issues that Man United have out wide or in the midfield. So he's no longer getting a tune out of the players that he had. You forgot to mention, uh, forgot to mention a, a striker. And a striker, yeah. So, so he's invested. They've, they've gone in all, all in on a twenty-year-old striker who was never really gonna like hit the ground running in the Prem. The Prem's a very tough league, and you've not really you've committed to spend this money on this striker. You spent the money on the striker, but you don't have a reliable even fifteen goal a season striker in 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 your ranks. So, it's a gross misuse of funds for Man United. You don't. He's not. He's he's no, done. Do. In our ranks, in our ranks, we technically do. He's not striker though. Who are you, who are you talking about? Martial or Rashford? No, bro. <laughs> Yo, chill, bro. <laughs> chill. <laughs> you got to chill, bro. That brother ain't in your ranks anymore, man. Just forget about that guy, yeah. But yeah, it's just it's because <laughs> it's like I think most importantly, like. The one thing that's making me believe that Man United are truly dusted this season, even when the players come back, truly dusted. Like <laughs> one thing that makes me believe we're truly dusted. No, they are they're they're dusted. It is actually true. true. That we're it's the truth because it's no like, redeeming, no redeeming qualities. Damn. Like this is, this is this is hit the nail on the head. It's literally just a counter attack. That's probably low key why I'm a little bit worried about the game we have against you in a couple of weeks because I'm like we play a high oh. line counter attack. Is Sun going to be there? 
No, he's not going to be there. Okay. He's not going to be there. But the point, the, the reason why I'm like, I'm really worried for Man United is because it doesn't really, one, it doesn't really take much for teams to beat Man United these days. Like, yeah, you're not seeing teams play out of their skin to, to, to beat Man United. Like, Nottingham Forest, like, they gave it a good go, but they played better against Bournemouth and they lost. They played, they probably played, I would say they played better against us and mm. they, didn't, they didn't win that game of football. Like, they put in... They put in like a six out of ten performance against United and they won. West yeah. Ham didn't, they didn't they didn't start playing until like the 60th minute and right. they won 2-0. So one, it's it's not really taking teams a lot to beat Man United. And two, the way Man United play with the manager now is just all wrong. Like there's no pressure on the opposition when when they're trying to build up from the back. They're not really compact, they don't really build out well from the back. I just don't really see a, a, a set philosophy that can be repeated from game to game to game to give me a view that oh, when Lisandro does come in, oh yeah, he's gonna take it up another notch. It's just, it's just, it's just like gruel, you know, gruel. The, 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 it's just gruel. It's just nothing, bro. Like that's what I see when I watch Man United play, and I'm like, that's why I'm not really hanging my hopes on Ten Hag, sort of like getting a tune out of this squad when players are back fit because fundamentally the way you set this team up is wrong. Even when everyone was fit at the start of the season, he had Casemiro on an island by himself, Mason Mount and 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 Bruno basically playing further than the striker. It's just it's a mess, man. It's a it's a complete mess. It's a complete mess. Man said, Do you know Gruel? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man, I, I, I see no I see no end to this. He substitutes off Mayno at halftime for McTominay because obviously. Crazy. Goal threat. They ask him about it post game, and he's like, "It was a tactical decision." Oh, and brother! Someone should asked him to explain what is the ta- what's the tactical. Said, you know, that's one thing, but he said, "I have no regrets." The two goals Crazy. we did are literally from the part because of, of that oh, Obi Mayno <laughs> occupies and Scott McTominay vacates. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I think, I think that's one of the things that gets on my nerves about him, Morero, is that. Obviously, these are kind of minor things, but it just irritates me that post-match, he acts like we didn't... He acts like the game was exclusive on Patreon and we didn't see it. So he's just giving us his take. No, 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 Bro, thinks it's behind... Bro, we've got Sky, you know, we've got BT, sorry, TNT, <laughs> and we've also got... We've also got Firestick, yeah? We see everything else, so... He'll be like, yeah, I don't mind this performance. I think we did this in the first half. I'm like, bro, we all watched the game, cuz. We, we all watched the game. But, yeah. Max, this is the thing. Once you're not supporting the manager's decisions, or should I say, you can't see the logic in his decision. Remember, we're, we're amateurs. You know, we, we, we're passionate about the game, but we're not paid millions of pounds to, you know, manage football teams, make tactical decisions. When you can start to see the negative impact of the decisions that are being made and they're being consistently made, and then you have the gall to try and defend those decisions in a room of your peers, supposedly, um, you've got to go. Heads, heads have got to go. So Manchester United, I think he'll do just about enough to keep his job. So I think he'll stay like top six, top seven. And then in summer, I guess we'll find out what Enios are really about, right? So obviously the mm. club is not like floating about in cash, but do they think that if they're now responsible for bringing in the talent, that Ten Hag has enough about him to manage a, a successful team? I don't think he's gotten the best out of the players that he currently has, to be honest with you. So he doesn't yeah. necessarily fill me with that with that faith, to be honest with you. And the I Premier think. League is a great equaliser, you know? 
We see these managers in their foreign leagues living it up. Either tactical, come here, come here. Let's see what you're about. And many a man have been proven to be frauds. What were you going to say, Babs? But that's, I was going to say facts, and even building on to what you said in terms of um, how he's what he's gone out of the players. What makes it even more damning is the fact that these are his players that he wanted. You know, these are the players that he demanded for, and it's something a couple of years ago where I, I was always banging on about in terms of a manager's player ID. The reason is important because if you as a manager come into a club and you demand and you say, I want control, I have to be in control of this ship. You know, I'm pretty sure what didn't, didn't the reports come out that he didn't want Ragnik there. You know, he wanted to be the one to obviously, you know, um, steady the ship. And I, and I kind of got it. Why? Because obviously he's seen the past signings. But now it, what that means is you're going to be the ones to be judged, you know, by this. There's not going to be any excuse, any like kind of fodder for anybody else to hold, hold it, but it's going to be you and... You look at the way he's dropped the money on Anthony. I think for, for me, that 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 one there is, is the most damning thing. Like it's the most damning thing. And it's the fact that from so early on, you know, you could see that this signing wasn't gonna work. Not he didn't community. even pass the comp test. A comp did, that, quite literally a scary, man. of all the best things you've ever done. So almost every single player's comp looks pretty decent. He didn't even pass the comp test. In the Netherlands, he's come for like he start doing a skill, and before we see the end result of a skill, they move on to the next. Let's slip. Let's slip. Their views were going crazy on Capcom. What? He couldn't get separation in Holland. He played for Ajax. He could get 12 goals a season in Ajax, where Tajic scored like 40 goals. So when United were getting um. We're getting a uh, Memphis to fight. Who I was to fight because he was fast, he was tricky, he could shoot. Yeah. So I was watching Bear Comps. I was like excited. Yeah. This player I was talking about in February. We're actually getting him, bro. Uh, he scored like they'll talk about how oh, he scored five, six, three kicks on my mama. Yeah. That man had German Dan in goal, bro. That man had German him. Dan in goal. Three kicks straight at the keeper, mid height, going in, bro. I said, put get this league, put it in rice. Put it in rice right now. It doesn't mean you can't come from that league and be sick because we've seen right. sick. I don't believe that. If you're sick, you're sick, yeah? Right. But if you're struggling in that league, it's yeah? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, facts, So, I guess, listen to this, this. This happens to us pretty much every two years. There's a somewhat of a false dawn. I don't think you've actually brought any of the managers, really. Um, I convinced yeah. myself about Mourinho. Wasn't feeling Oli. I wasn't feeling Ten Hag in 2023, but was hoping that he could get better quality players and play a better brand of football, but I'm I'm not interested anymore. Yeah, I, I, I got lucky with Mourinho. I'm not going to return 22, 22 goals scored in 20 games. I'm not, yeah. I'm not like, with Mourinho, it wasn't like, I, I'm not going to pretend that I thought that he was going to fail. Because mm. I actually thought he was going to succeed. I, yeah. I just did not want to see that football. Yeah, And I just thought, you're just the way you move is just too nasty, and I feel like you're just gonna rub out the team eventually. And I, and, and for me, like my dad, we, we won all the time, so like, it's not worth seeing that right. shit just on the trophy. But after the trophy, you dunk on the ops for two days on Twitter, and then life goes on, bro. The direct debits are still coming out. Do you get what I'm saying? That's but that's like that's the other youths, nasty youths. Because yeah. what were you gonna ask, Topes? I was gonna ask, who, uh, is, are there any managers that you guys have got your eyes on? Realistic, 
Yeah, man are gonna be showing him all, all, all the Japanese youths he can buy. Bro, you, you want you want this one? Lifestyle. We've got that for you. Listen. We've got that for you. What what? Uh, You've not been making us. You've not been making us sweat. Come, come, bro. Alright. Babs, you've been patient. Um, you guys won this week. You had the 1230 um all eyes on me classic. We had the Discord on. They were telling me Kenilworth World was a fortress. I actually went to look at their results, and I think they've probably they've won like two games and pretty much lost every other game apart from yeah. the draw against Liverpool. But it's been a weird season for you guys. Mm. A lot of players coming in, bizarre decisions from the manager, poor finishing. Some new signings have come in and done really well. You're having players return to the team. What were your thoughts about the performance? And where are you at with Poch? Where are you at with this team? Do you need to buy players in January? Just a lot going on at the Chelsea. Right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to start from the beginning of the season. Just, just so your understanding of where I was coming from, in terms of um, me with Poch. So, let's start. In fact, let me start before that. Before I was a massive hater of Poch, as Tobes know, Tobes knew at PSG, every single game I was there in Tobes' dimension talking to him about Poch. Like, are oh, you seeing the football? You can't even get these guys cooking. But for me, coming into Chelsea, I was actually open to it because I thought that experience at PSG would have been a massive learning for him in terms of actually learning what it takes to be at a big club, you know, to actually understand what it takes in terms of like having a ball, which are going to demand a lot of you having players who are quote unquote, you know, big personalities you know, having to deal with big money players. Cause that, these are all things you have to deal with at Spurs. And I thought now he's done this at PSG. He's also got a Premier League experience. He's going to be able to come in, you know, and be the guy that this young group of players are going to need going forward. This, that was my hope coming to the season. So I was one of the people that was actually pro Poch coming in. You know, I came with a clean slate. I thought he'd made some, made some learnings. And during the preseason, you know, it's like they say, you've got to be careful what you see in preseason in terms of letting that, you know, gas you up. You know, and because of the timings of those games in America, I'm not going to lie to you, I wasn't watching all these games. You know, I'm not one of those people that I, I'll, I'll be up at 2 a.m. Listen, man, <laughs> I've got to work. <laughs> I, I can't be doing this 2 a.m. not nonsense. But when I'd wake up and I'd watch a couple of the games back, what I was seeing was positive, you know. There was a clear build-up in what we were trying to do even before the signings were coming. There was a clear idea of what he wanted from his team. There was a clear instruction in terms of putting players in their best positions to succeed. You know, there wasn't any of this cold left-back nonsense. There wasn't any of this chill left-wing nonsense. There wasn't any of this Enzo Fernandez and number 10 nonsense. There wasn't a lot of a lot of the only the nonsense of saying he, he was actually putting these players in a position to thrive and profiling them in a way whereby they were able to thrive. So having Cole as the first centre back in build up, having Chua being able to um, overload um, the left hand side and offer width, having Nkunku as like an inside number 10. So he doesn't have too much responsibility in the build up, but he's able to crash the box, get his goals. You know, having Gusto playing as potentially a first centre back because he, he's defensively strong. And all of a sudden, into the season, He's completely changed it. You know, he's putting Chilwell at left, at left wing. He's putting Cole at left back. He's playing Enzo furthest forward. He's playing Gallagher in the number six. And I'm, I'm thinking, I'm having catfish here. Like, <laughs> he, he has absolutely pulled a blind on me. And I just didn't understand. You know, he completely threw his ideals out from preseason. You know, I think the first game that really showed it to, to us, and I, was, and I was on the main point to say it was the Bournemouth game. It was the Bournemouth game because that was the game whereby we're really seeing, seeing the whole Enzo, you know, playing as a second striker, 
yeah. Cole Walefa, and it was yeah. just, it was just confusing because I've come in with a clean slate, you know, supporting yeah. you. Yeah. And you are you are you He's throwing it in my face like that? that? You got the Babs cosign. That's massive. Hey, listen, man. <laughs> what can I say? What can I say? And when when a manager throws the ideals, that it's normally because they're panicking and things are going wrong. But my thing was it's so early in the season. It's only because Nkuku is that only because Nkuku is injured. Is that the reason mm. why you've done this? Is that the reason why you're playing Chua left back? And for me, there were so many things that became so damning that, that for me, I flipped a switch, man. The the, the the inner proper Chelsea me came out. I was like, this guy, this ex Tottenham manager, he doesn't know what he's doing. From then, I was like, you know what? I, I can't do this. I can't do this because I think you what is my job, bro. You what what when as a when as a as an individual, you you show me the things that I knew were a problem, and I was trying to give you an, an opportunity to change it, it. It becomes worrying, especially so early on the season. You know, if it was a thing of like for the first couple of games, he was playing his ideals. And it's why I was so um, high in praise for Ange Postecoglou. You know, they had the injuries. They stopped to the ideals. They're playing full, full, full bats at centre-back. They're still sticking to the ideals. And for me, that is the sign of a top manager. Someone that no matter what, you're going to coach your players to play the football you want to play. You're not going to completely just throw it to the wayside and constantly change things, you know, in an act of desperation. And for me, that's what it's been throughout the season. So going into this game... Um, it's been an interesting discussion, you know, amongst the Chelsea fan base. So for me, there's been a whole thing of like our underlying numbers are positive. You know, our XG will generation is positive. Um, you know, we're not we're not conceding too many chances, you know, on, on the balance of play. And there comes in the question of can you solely focus on the online underlying numbers when you're not getting results? You know, this is a results-based system business. And when you get 20 games in the season, you know, a season whereby as a manager you said the aim is top four. I can't keep looking at online online results, you know. I need to see actual tangible results. I need to I need to see something I can I can feel. Now I need to see points on the board. And when I'm not seeing that, and we're still seeing these underlying numbers, it's like it, it, it's not good. You know, it's, it's not not good. And I don't know if that that whole having um Nkuku injured is a valid enough excuse. But going a bit more into the, the the game, you know, yesterday against Luton. You know, obviously, that was our first big win, you know, in the season at home where we beat them 3-0. You know, it was the Gusto and Sterling show. You know, Sterling got his brace. Gusto really came to came to the fray. And, you know, we've we got that. Um, This game, coming to this game, I was quite happy with the lineup, just because the way Poch just treated someone like a Madawake, I kind of I understand it in the fact that he wanted to get more out of him, you know, on the defensive end. But without actually getting the actual minutes on the pitch, he's not going to be able to prove it. And, he was able to play and he actually played a, a significant amount of minutes and he was actually able to show what he can offer. And I think with a player like that is something that we've been missing, you know, that 1v1 threat, someone that can dribble, you know, someone that can dribble at volume. They're not just going to pick the, pick the opportunities to dri- try and dribble. They're someone that off the dribble, they're actually going to create chances for themselves and their teammates. They're going to they're gonna actually shoot. And he saw his goal, you know, he, he, great, he got his dribble, he beat his man, he, he, shoot, he shot. That's something you need in the, in the top level attack. You look at the midfield. The midfield for me, throughout the season, has been like one of my one of my biggest like just confu- just pieces of confusion because you've got a player in Caicedo who you know he he excels in the first phase. He's able to win the ball, but then you're playing him in a way whereby you've got Gallagher, who's someone who's actually who wants to actually seek the ball. You're playing Gallagher as a deeper midfielder. You're playing Caicedo a bit more further forward, and 
when you've got two players that want to be ball, ball winners, you're going to end up seeing, you know, in midfield, you know, being quite wide in, in gaps. And that's been something that's been happening throughout the season. You know, whether it be um, Enzo and Caicedo, Enzo and Gallagher, Gallagher and Caicedo, that's always been a, a, a constant thing. And it's a, it's a question for, for me of the manager of what are you going to do to actually change this? Because we're 20 games into the season now. You know, this is an actual pattern now. It's not something that's just happening here and there or a couple of days. This is something that's happening no matter what. You know, so questions have to be asked the manager in terms of what are you going to do to actually create a solid base within the midfield? Because even last season, as, as bad as we were, our midfield was something that was actually a shining light. You know, we, they were still seeing games with Enzo whereby he was able to control the game, you know, spray passes. And when you're playing him in, in number 10, you, you're kind of like, you're kind of neutering him. You're, you're not getting him what, what you want from him in terms of actually being able to press the play, you know, dictate the tempo. But what I will say, you know, about um, Poch is he's managed to get our attack looking fluid. You know, that's always been a last couple of years, something that Chelsea fans and rivals fans have been, you know, quite onto us about in terms of like how our attackers are playing, you know, they, they, they don't score enough goals, you know, they're not, you know, actually making enough of an impotence, you know, to actually create questions for the opposition. But if you look at it this season, right, um, Noni, Palmer, Jackson, Sterling, Modric, they're all currently one in three goal return-wise at a minimum, you know, which is, which is, which is quite, it's just quite, it's quite, it's quite impressive. You know, you look at um, Palmer, he's, he's two in, he's two in three actually. Um, And Kunko is going to be a bit more inflated because he's only, he's only played a couple of games, but, we're actually seeing five attackers now getting goals. And that's mainly because the actual profiles of attackers we've got now are guys that are actually able to shoot, you know, a, a wide variety of shots. And that, and that for me is the positive that I, I actually can give Poch, you know, praise for. Um, I know a lot of has been made in terms of um, how clinical we've been in terms of the actual underlying numbers, in terms of um, the uh, underperformance. But I think it's important to actually look a bit deeper into it. And if you look into it, the actual un- underlying um, underperformance in terms of actually... It's not actually coming from the attackers. The only attacker that's actually, that's actually come from has been um, Jackson. Whereas if you look at the Palmers, the Sterlings, um, not Noni and um, Mudrick, they're all outperforming. Sterling as well, they're all outperforming actually. So we're actually seeing a, a situation now whereby we can actually re- rely on our attackers to score goals. So that's a positive for me. And it's definitely something that we want to be seeing going forward. But now it's just a question for me about Poch. How are you going to make it so that, that the midfield can actually do its job and we actually look solid there? How are you going to push on now because no matter what people say we're not that far off top six you know like as disgusting as we've been as absolutely sickening as we've been you know we've, we've, we've lost eight games eight games like that that in itself is unforgivable and despite that we managed to find ourselves I think it's like nine points off Spurs which it sounds like a lot but if you remember last season Aston Villa they were in the relegation battle and when Emery came in 11, 11 points off, 11 points of Spurs. 11 points of Spurs, thank you, Mara. 11 but, points when we dare, yeah? Okay. Yeah. But you get the point, <laughs> the fact that Villa was so far off, you know, looking completely bleak under Gerrard. It's not measly, my brother. It's not measly, but, but, but my point is, you saw Villa, right? He was so far off. We're not, yeah, bro. You saw Villa, he was so far off, right? And they were able to actually go ahead, you know, with, with a strong end. I'm not saying we're going to catch first. That's not my point. My point is, we've seen a team last season who looked completely yeah. out of sorts. And right. you've seen them make it back. Mm. So, 
there's enough games for you to make it a bit more respectable and finish in 10. Do you believe in Poch to do that? There is enough mathematically, yes, there are enough games. But do you, if I was up to ask you if you're a better man, which I know you're not, where do Chelsea finish this season? How many points do Chelsea get? God will provide. <laughs> God will provide. Because listen, I don't believe in Poch, but I'm trying to be positive. You know, I'm trying to be positive. I'm, maybe it's maybe it's hopelessness, but I'm just trying to be positive. You know, so it's hopium. It's it's hopium, man. It's hopium, man. Yeah. It's hopium. Fair, fair enough, man. Yeah, it's been a fascinating season. Like when you talk about the when you talk about the table, you've got uh Liverpool top 19 games, 42 points, Villa second, 20 games, 42 points, City a third, 19 games, 40 points, Arsenal a fourth. 20 games, 40 points. Spurs are fifth, 20 games, 39 points. West Ham are sixth, 19 games, 33 points. They've got Brighton next. Manchester United, 20 games, 31 points. Uh, Brighton, 19 games, 30 points. Newcastle, 19 games, 29 points. And then Chelsea, 10th, 20 games, 28 points. Got the same amount of points as Wolves, who are 11th. And you've got three more points than Bournemouth, who are 12. So, real, real, real clunky there outside the top six, I think. Once you get outside the top six or seven, those teams are really close and packed in together. Well, let's get on to uh, our weekly awards segment. Go around, find out who you guys are thinking is Saudi bound, who's under surveillance, and who have been your stars of the weekend. I'm going to start with you, Jisoo. Um, Who has been your star of this weekend? Mm, that's, that's a bit of a tricky one still. I think it's easy. Oh, sorry, Palmer, 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 Palmer. Okay, Paul Palmer, yeah, Palmer. Yeah, two, two uh, great goals. Yeah, second goal is my goal of the season. Yeah, I, I don't know why I forgot about the Chelsea game. Maybe it's irrelevant, but yeah, no worries. Uh, Tobes, who's your star of the week weekend? I don't know who I who I'd give it to. You know, um, I'm trying to remember the fixtures. Let me see the fixtures. Uh, yeah, I'll probably say Palmer. Palmer or Foden, maybe. I think they... they oh, Foden was brilliant as well. Who are you going with Palmer or Foden, brother? You know what? Nah, let me go with, let me go with Foden. Yeah. Let me go with Foden. And Bab. It's got to be Palmer for me. You, know, you, you put the team on his back. You know, you've got two goals. He's got on the sisters. Can, can, can I change mine? Yeah, sure. Alise. Let's go to Saudi bound. I'm going to start with you this time, Babs. Who have you got down as being Saudi Saudi bound? Axel de Sassi. <laughs> get, get that guy out of my club, man. I beg. I beg. I beg. I know that the Saudi seems supposed to be the older players, but it listen, can be man. whoever you like. We, we've seen a myriad of players go over to the. Listen, listen man. I, 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 can you do something for me? Can you do something for me? Can you do something for me? Just this one more time. One more time. Tobes, <laughs> who have you Please. got? Saudi Matt Turner, man. Get that, get that scrub all the way to Saudi, man. He stinks. <laughs> he stinks, bro. He's rubbish. Get him out of here, man. He's he's crap. Cool. Uh, this is who have you got? Saudi. Bar. I think this week is a rare week. It's a couple man fam. This is like I hope there's a space on the plane, fam. Um, ETH, <laughs> ETH definitely goes Saudi for sure. Zinchenko, pack your bags oh, yes. outside. Boy, Saudi, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I allow him to Saudi. 
<laughs> oh, shit. I don't know if they're going to allow him into Saudi, boy. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> boy, I don't think I allow him to study. They, they may, they may, they may. Mm-mm. But you know, we'll, we'll, we'll leave that for another day. Uh, Ericsson, Ericsson, yeah. for sure. I'm not sure if if he if he can handle the heat. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> what are you gonna say? It's gonna melt his. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 and um, I, I know I have said his name earlier before in the season, but bro, just go join Al Khalal, link up with your bros, Malcolm there, Neymar's there. Yeah. Yeah. Neymar will make sure you score. He'll take on all the key for take on everybody, take on the key part, then he'll roll the ball into the line, and all you have to do is just toe poke it. Yeah, so who's that guy? Gingerbread <laughs> man, Jesus. <laughs> Bro, wow. destiny, okay. dread it, um, run from it. You've got a five-a-side team of Saudi pound brothers. I told you, I had to call up Qatar Airways to make sure there was space on the plane. They said, Mr. Dysonomics, for you, my friends, we could do something for you. you know do, you, do you know who else may have a case for Saudi? Kieran Trippier. What he's been doing to his team? They, no, no, no. Listen, they're only going to send him back. No, Trippier's nah. one, do you know what I'm saying? He's had a good run. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? He's tired. He's probably he's probably like doing a bit too much on a Saturday night and a Friday night. Boy, that, that's what they've been saying, man. Let's reconvene. Been saying, man. In, let's reconvene back in February. Yeah. Okay. But we'll come back that to this Jesus, yeah. I have yeah. never seen somebody so destined for Alcalao in my life. <laughs> Let me check the squad numbers. I might even have a, a, a nine for him. My, my, my Saudi bounce, he's not even playing at the moment, Casemiro. Just get him to Saudi. <laughs> I don't want to see him play again. Just get him, just carry him to Saudi. No, Casemiro, Casemiro's so he's Saudi bound. Just carry him there real quick. No, Casemiro, he's so Saudi bound, yeah. Do you know in the NBA, they have like a player representative that like handles all the business, yeah? He might be the player. Well, the, 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 the NBPA. <laughs> The, the Middle East representative. Anybody, he's got to go through Casemiro. Uh, I hear that. I hear that. Casemiro, uh, just go ahead. Don't worry, brother. Don't worry. I got it under control. Nice, nice, my dog. Nice. Got you, my guy. Cool. Um, and under surveillance, Tobes, who have you got under surveillance? Under surveillance. Hmm. Hmm. Under surveillance. Hmm. Um. Under surveillance. I'm gonna go with. Can we go with someone who's already been there, who we've put up? Yeah, yeah. Under surveillance, I'm going with Gabriel Gingerbread Man Jesus. He is under big surveillance. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Disu, who have you got under surveillance? Again, it's an action-packed week. Like, we've got a lot of cameras everywhere. We've got agents in different parts of London, across the country. So I like to call them the Grab Gabriel trifecta. Gabriel Angales, whatever your blood cut name is, Gabriel Martinelli, and Gabriel Jesus, all three of you are under surveillance, yeah? Bro, how many... Wait, is, is it Rico? Dude, how many ever... Martinelli, two league goals. They told me you're skillful. Bro is just out here just running, cuz. And Martinelli speaks for himself. Oh, is it also for you? Declan Rice? I've got a chance for you. If you can take less than three touches every time you get the ball, I will donate $750,000 to a charity of your choice, yeah? 
So, bro, he's under surveillance. And this one is probably a bit more left field. Armand Breuer. Oh, wait, wait, wait till Breuer press. Oh, Breuer needs to play. Why? Why? Oh, wow, wow. I didn't know I like that. that. I like that. I did. I heard this guy's name so many times. Yeah. What's Bro doing? Bro mm. looks like one of the one of the plugs in power. Yeah, you're a footballer, cuz. Come on, man. Anyway, Bro, you're under surveillance for two reasons football, and you actually might be the plug. We don't know. But either <laughs> how, you're under surveillance. <laughs> You know, th th those are some brilliant um, suge suggestions, you know, so it's, it's a bit, it's a bit also, difficult. We so. might have to have somebody's dad on the surveillance just in case they grab him again. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah. This is ridiculous. You know, this is something going on. on you know, I'll get on to my oh. on this point, yeah. Leave him alone. Um, <laughs> thank you, guys. But, 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 but yeah, um, in terms of under surveillance, um, I agree with all those places. Um, I think could also add a Kai Havertz in there, but then again, at this point, I don't think it's even worth you know spending any more funds yeah. on, on, yeah. on, on, on surveilling him. But for yeah. me, it's actually going to be the Liverpool attacking line. Outside oh. of Salah, because obviously when Salah is going to go to Afcon now, yep. there's going to be a lot of questions about can they actually carry the attacking burden without him? Right. You know, so it's actually the Gapo, Nunes, Diaz. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, it's time to tool up. Yeah, it's a perfect time to be watching them. Actually, I like I like those. Thank you guys. That's always a pleasure. Uh, let's finish up with some listeners' questions. First one is from Dr. Mike. Uh, shout out, Dr. Mike. Do Arsenal fans now understand what I mean when I say they don't know what it looks like? Some of them wrote off other teams like they are 2008 Barca. Big up the sensible fans like Dr. Lee and Shell. It's not even a question. This is more just a... Just a this is a humble brag. Yes. Is it humble even? I don't it's think it's humble. humble. This is a brag. Cool. Come here to get uh, his lick back. Fair enough. Did I mean, you unfortunately, there's no Arsenal fans to answer. Um, yeah. But we're here, They'll, they'll probably be they'll probably then they'll probably book about your tweets and come back in a couple of months time to you know quote to you in, in the droves as per usual, but you know. Yeah for now we're gonna have to wait. Fair. Uh next one is from Tio T3 Technology. So that's technology, but with a three instead of an E long-term listener. What's the biggest current Arsenal attacking issue? No party, general drop-off when the best eleven doesn't play, Kai Havertz. Or no shooter, BCM, BCM, and who fixes it and how? Arteta with coaching signings or the players getting it out of the mud? So it's a big question. I think I think, I think it's a mix. Yeah, Obviously, I think it's a mix of. Yeah. Go on, go on, go on. I was gonna say I think it's a mix of personnel and the fact that the numbers that those attackers got, unfortunately, to say it actually stands as an outlier. You know, it's not the norm for them. You know, they're not. It's not the norm for them to be actually proven goal scorers. So. For them, is actually going to be a thing of like actually seeing are they going to get somebody who's actually going to be able to put the numbers up, or is Arteta going to be able to prove that it wasn't actually an outlier? Are these players going to, to rise to the occasion for the second half of the season to prove it wasn't actually an outlier? You know, most of you getting 10 plus goals, 15 goals wasn't an outlier. Same for Odegaard, same for Saka, you know. So it's going to, it's going to be about showing and proving that these were it wasn't just outliers, this is actually who you are now, you know, because two goals. I was looking at it, you know, earlier on, you know, from 
So you look at you look at Martin Lee, two, two non-penalty goals. You know, like that's that's just that's that's unacceptable. You look at Saka, three non-penalty goals. You know, this this again unacceptable. Odegaard, two non-penalty goals again. You know, like this isn't this isn't this is excellence. You know, this this isn't what you you expect from a team pushing for a league title. This is garbage. You know what you are. I can say I bled for yeah. garbage. If you know, you know. So it's about a lot of these guys showing that it wasn't outlier last season. So what you're saying that they, rather than coaching or signings, these players need to get it out of the mud. Yeah, they need to get out of the mud. They need to get out of the mud because I don't think they've been as fluid in terms of creating chances as they were before. But what you can say is they've been in positions to score goals. That's for sure. Mm. You know, you saw today Marcelli was, you know, quite wasteful, as as it were. You know, you saw, you, I didn't see Jesus, but you saw, you know, Saka, you know, they, he struggled a bit. But Enketia today, absolutely mm-hmm. abject. And, and, it's like, and it's like what Tove said, you know, when, when your wingers aren't able to score, you need your striker to be able to get out of the mud. You right. really, really need that. And yeah, unfortunately, you haven't been able to do that. The defences are in safe hands, bro. What was that song they sing? As I said, your mm. defence is in safe hands, but <laughs> in the room. He's put up five goals, right? Mm, yeah, he, he, he scored at a good rate. He scored at so, a, a good rate. Three of them against one team, bro. The same rate. Okay. Oh, you got a hat trick. Yeah, 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 we'll take that. Is um, other brothers, is the, I told you, the Gabriel trifecta, or two-thirds of Gabriel trifecta, they've got the same amount of goals as Ross and Ketia, bro. This true. Combined, you get what I'm saying? It's metal. It's metal. It's metal. Where fizzies, where fizzies. <laughs> real damning. Cool. Next one is from Lord JM underscore Julian of Copend. Oh, out in their droves, aren't they? Why were Arsenal fans comparing players from last season to PL or timers? They were only performing at a high level for half a season, as it now shows they've been unable to maintain. Did they though? What? Which all time do they compare them to? Salah probably and Saka maybe. Jesus and Firmino. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. Firmino all time. I can't remember them comparing them to any all timers. Yeah, I, 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 I did see them try to say that Karras and Yaya Torre in the same sentence, and I'm very happy the the, the football community disciplined Hamden. that gentleman Hamden. in the manner that they did. Firmly yeah. as well. Very very firmly. Hamden. Fair good. Uh, next one, Alexis Kavka. Shout out, Alexis. Uh, and asked a great question before. I want to repeat it. Was last year not the anomaly with Arteta? I think we've addressed that this week. Um, talking too much because we feel the media are too blinded by Phil Foden. Do we underrate him? He's quietly had a lot of good games this season in KDB. There, I, I don't think we do underrate him. I think we, I think I would say if if it's underrated or overrated, I still think. He is slightly overrated, not in not not in a sense that he's not as talented as as people say he is. More in a sense that he doesn't put in the performances that people believe he's putting in week in week out. Granted, mm. I do think in recent weeks there's been a glaring difference in the performances he's putting out because I, I think some people, everyone knows Phil Foden. He's a good finisher and he gets goals. His his GNA numbers will always be strong because of the team he plays for and because of the type of player he is. But what people want to see from Phil Foden is 
the ability that he has to actually run football matches. Like, you can't be on the periphery in games. You're too talented to be on the periphery of games. So I think what we're seeing recent weeks now, whether he's scoring, whether he's not scoring, whether he's assisting, whether he's not assisting, you look at Luton, you look at Everton, you look at Sheffield United, they're games where he's dominant. He's the driving force of his team. And that's what people want from Phil Foden, especially when there's no Kevin De Bruyne in the team. You are who the team should look to to make shit happen because you are that good. Yeah, can't really, can't really add much more to that. Thank you, thank you, Todd. I, I, I don't think people don't rate Foden. I think people like because he kind of doesn't get held to any sort of level of accountability for his mere performances, how frequent yeah. they are. And I think that's when people are talking to Foden. It's kind of like partly correction of his ratings and partly agenda driven. I think if you speak to most people, they all think Foden's sick. Yeah. And, and if people generally don't think Foden is a sick footballer, then they're insane. They, we, should, we don't need to listen to them because that one, that one there, it's mad. Yeah, facts. Um, next question from Yao Bruce Busia of uh, New Spurs Order. Taking into consideration the injuries and suspensions Spurs have had, do you think they'd be higher if they weren't unlucky with players' fitness? I had to laugh. I had to message you out before the pod and laugh at this question because it's a leading question, isn't it? Essentially, mm. what he's asking the panel is, if we had all our best players, despite how well we've done with not our best players, would we be doing better? So we know the likes yes. of James Madison has been... Yes, we would. Just straight straight to it, yeah? How much I'd better would we be doing? I agree. How much better we'd, would you... Have, I think we'd have at least six points more than we have now. At least. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with terms. I think if um, Van der Ven and Madison were still fit, I think they'll be top of the league and with a with a decent, well, maybe not a big gap, but they'll be top of the league because what they are, they're on thirty nine points right now. Top right. of the league is forty two, I believe. Yeah, forty two. So if and that's and if Liverpool win, that makes puts them on what um, forty five. Right. Yeah, right. I don't see Spurs being six points behind Liverpool, bro. Like and especially they went for was it five games in a row that Spurs took the lead. And didn't win, yeah. good, and then lost, or what? Well, they lost. They lost. Is it five? No, they lost four out of five. Yeah, mm-hmm. taking the lead. Um, it was, and it was that run where they went three for three, where we beat them, where Van der Ven got injured. I mean, they lost yeah. to Wolves. That Chelsea lost to Villa. That me, man. That Chelsea yeah. still. They had, those, they had those three games back to back. I mean, they drew to City. I mean, they lost to West Ham afterwards. So they had like yeah. four. And losses they lost to Villa as well. Yeah, and Villa as well. You said the, the yeah, four I losses. Think, I, think, I think in those games, I think. Madison and Van der Ven, they get at least two wins out of those, in my opinion. Fair, fair. Uh, next question is from OT, the NPC. Um, that's Owen. Um, given how other teams in the league have been, where should Arsenal be? I feel exactly I think where right it should be. I actually, think that, I actually think that looking at Arsenal's performances, like... I, don't, I haven't been impressed, but I'm trying to think how many teams have really impressed me, if that makes sense. So I think being in a mix of everybody else is kind of where they should be. I actually think that they've probably output their points might be an outperformance of like their gameplay, really and truly, because quite a lot of games I'm like, you probably deserve to draw here or maybe lose here, but they've managed to eke out the victory or eke out the draw. So I think pretty much where they should be. I don't think they should be any higher if I'm being I, I think I think they should be I think they should be slightly higher to be fair because I feel like I look at games so there's there's two games in particular I don't think they deserve to lose to to Newcastle they lost that game I don't think they deserve to lose to West Ham they lost that game and I don't think they deserve to lose to Villa either and I, exactly and I don't think they deserve to lose to Villa so I think they I think like 
because of their own doing in front of goal, they've cost themselves points where really and truly they really should have put these games to bed. So, yeah, but um, there's other games earlier in the season where they didn't do anything and they won the game or they got points. Like they should, they should, they shouldn't have got a draw with. Um, they shouldn't have got a draw with um, Chelsea. They should have won that game comfortably. Literally, they're winning two 0 missing chance, missing a couple chances, and it looked like Oscar could be there all day and not score. So like. And there's another, oh, there's another victory that they got that they ninched, pinched at the death. There's a couple goals where they really Man didn't really like. Draws probably the fair result, and then they'll get the dub. I think those are the ones you're probably thinking of: Brentford and Man City. Yeah, I can't remember that. There's even other games I'm thinking of. Like I'm trying to think, but anyway, it's whatever. But yeah, man, fuck them, man. Anyway, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I echo this sentiment towards the end. <laughs> Question from the New Spurs Order account. Is the way we play still unsustainable? I like that, I like that question. This is I a like question. This is I a question. Are you, you know what? As big as a fan as I am of it, I think there's an argument that it could be because of how open you are defensively at times. But then again, you are a team that are still are able to, you know, blitz teams. And the reason we're able to do that is because you have a clinical player in home in Son that if you give him a a quarter chance, let alone a half chance, he's gonna he's gonna bag it. Our attack so, is really, our, our attack has not even been good. I, I think our attack has been, been, been yeah. Good. He hasn't been yeah. good. I'm not saying he's been good, but I'm saying you have a finisher to the to the level of Son that if you want to go machine for machine, yeah, your team better not jam. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he'll put you to the sword, but it's the other attackers. But yeah, I, I don't know, man. I feel like the whole sustainable, not sustainable. I think it's nonsense, man. I, I get like. Ange needs to flex, but I felt like a lot of people weren't taking in the context, weren't taking in the players that were missing, weren't taking in some of the performances we had, and the results didn't come. All you saw is, oh, Spurs lost. Oh, this player's missing. Oh, they must have to drop. They have to drop their lines 20 yards deeper. They have to throw Eric Dyer back in, even though he's not good enough. They have to play X, Y, Z. It's just, it was nonsense to me. And, and I, I'm glad that at the very least, the position we are on the table with these players missing makes a mockery of the nonsense that people are trying to... Yeah, I, I think the only game um, I could say definitively and is obvious is the Liverpool... No, the Chelsea game. Because yeah. I think yeah. Chelsea... Which show one? Score, yeah. I, I, I don't see the purpose of making it easier for them to create chances to score goals. So I think that was very stupid from Ange. But all mm -hmm. in all, like I think like in terms of gameplay, I think you've outplayed your opponents almost every single game. So, yes, there's going to be risk with attack and play. And also, I think people are a bit also a bit ridiculous that they're, they're, they're holding um, you lots of standards of like maybe the more established team. This is like your, your first year under Ange. Season, so the yeah. fact that so you're gonna have to play this with so players can learn. Do you get what I'm saying? And I think that you you take risk, but you're rewarded risk because you literally create a gazillion chances more often than not. So I just think that certain men are just arrogant and they just kind of like if Spurs yeah. play this brand of football, Spurs can't sustain it, but my club can. Keep going. Right. Keep going. It's, just, it's just arrogance from a certain subset of fans. Yep, we know who they are. Yeah. Fair. Next question from Afo Afa Afshar, long-term listener. Now that Holden is gone and Saliba is still present, will Arsenal fans acknowledge they went off the ball in the run in last season have, and have dipped again this season? Boy, this is three losses in five games. Mm. Checks notes. Saliba started in every single game. <laughs> right. Saliba is rubbish today. Mm. The, the West Ham game, they game that they said they would have won, mm -hmm. they lost it. So, yeah, man. Yeah, man. I mean, yeah. I feel like now, 
they're looking inwards. Now they're actually willing to put blame on other players who aren't performing to the level when it's staring them in the face, right? Mm. Last season, I get the impact of Saliba. Like everyone could, a blind man could see the impact that Saliba obviously had on their team and the way they played. But they almost use that as an excuse for dependable players going missing, goalkeepers that they held to high standards, throwing the ball into his own net and, and, and so many mistakes, right? One player responsible for so many mistakes. Come on, man. Why is it now, all of a sudden, this season, when you're when guys are not finishing, are not eating, not finishing their dinner, and guys like Zinchenko are making mistakes, all of a sudden, why is it? Why are you giving them the blame now that you didn't give them last season? Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, makes sense. Makes yeah. sense. Um, next question is from Morpheus Z. When are we going to have an honest conversation about how Messi, CR7, Pep? and the EPL TV deals might have contributed to the decline of the beautiful game. We have correctly predicted that City would go on a 10-game win and one to win the league six out of seven years now. We ain't got time for this shit, man. Come on, it's New Year's Eve. Like, come on. I like, I like that question. I like it a lot. <laughs> why Why do you not have time for it, Tobes? I think every question deserves the right to be, you know, critically analysed. So, why do you yeah, take you're thick, you're yeah? Why do you take great umbrage with that question? Because it's like, oh, oh they've ruined for how? How have they ruined for? So the Ronaldo Messi, they played devil's advocate is because they happen to be the best players, but then they also led all the statistical charts. We've led, we've led ourselves down a path now where the game is predominantly judged in statistics, and the minute a player who's you know been playing well known, not been playing well, puts up a few numbers. You'll put his stats up against a player who we know has been playing better and say, oh, I thought your player was better, but my player has more stats, right? So we're, we've lost that kind of deep line analysis because the two best players in the world are also the two players who put up the craziest numbers. And I guess Pep is just taking the fun out of it, you know? It's not really a title charge. Arsenal fans are telling me they needed to be 10 points clear before KDB came back. For them to have a chance of winning the title. Now it's gonna no, get dark. No, 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 no to win it, no to win it, a chance. Now it's gonna get dark. Yeah. <laughs> when they induct KDB into the Premier League Hall of Fame, they yeah. need to play that clip of that saying they bro, the thought of the mere thought of him touching roads, yeah, has man thinking we need 10 points. The boogeyman, it's real. Because they this know aura, right? I've never seen it. They talk about aura. I've never seen this before. Bro, they know once he touches roads, yeah, and gets the crossing and gets the beating off them shots, it's getting dark. You know, I was looking dark. at one of his comps, I think, like a hide your kids, hide your wife. I looked at one of his comps a month or so ago. He loves the big games, man. Yeah, he loves them. Not in Europe, though, or for Belgium, not in, not, not in the Prem, though. The Prem is yeah, his he he, lo- he in, lo- in, that in that jurisdiction. He loves, he loves the big game, and then once he's back in the side. Harlan's numbers are gonna go off. Harlan's gonna go off. Where is Harlan right now? Where is he? He's not. He's injured, isn't it? He's. He's not. He's not. He's not. Hey, you man, I'm bored, man. Tell me when KDB's back. I'll be back. I'm They're saying you put him in a high quality time chamber, man. Yeah. Get some R and R. Get some R and R. You know, Harlan, KDB back soon. I hear it, and then I guess in terms of the EPL deals, I don't know why that's ruined the beautiful game. I think it's the amount of money. Put into football and maybe inflation and transfer fees, so on and so forth. Which I disagree with. I think it makes the game better. It makes better players in Premier League. I want people to listen to this. And listen to this very carefully. 
your clubs don't have to pay the fees that like other clubs say. It is a free and open market. They can just say no. So stop blaming Sky and BT because your club spent 105 million buff on headers and volleys, yeah? Fair. <laughs> fair. Fair. It's a good point. And, and, and then we're just on, I'm on that as well. Blame the other leagues for not getting their money up. You know, like it's, it's an open market again. You know, you can you can build these sponsorship deals. You know, you, you can uh, make your leagues attractive to other Name sponsors. Name five stars in the league right now. Name me five stars Boy. in the league right now. Vinicius, if you're running a campaign, yeah. Vinicius. Huh? Vinicius, Vinicius. Other than that, Jude. Okay. Boy, it's, it's not looking. It's, it's, man, what about they're gonna me, move their product? They're, 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 they're going to tell me Pedri, but that boy's looking tired, man. Pedri, Pedri ain't no star. He's a good you. He ain't no star, bro. You ain't no, putting exactly. Pedri, ain't putting Pedri on, on, on Pantene Pro V to move them units, cuz. Nah. Right. <laughs> Next question is from Miraculous Murray. I saw on the TL a tweet that stuck with me. Yoga Finito. Is it time to <laughs> Angelic on the ball, Gabriel Jesus, and the savior of all things but goals, Jesus? Listen, Arsenal fans are adamant that they are a better team with him in it. He presses like a madman. He links up really well with the players. He helps because now Odegaard has to drop a bit deeper for whatever reasons we won't get into. Uh, Jesus then has to drop a bit deeper because I saw a lot of the time against West Ham, he was occupying that edge of the box space where we saw Odegaard get a lot of joy last season. Um, so when you then have Odegaard, um, him out and then you have Nketiah, who's more of a box striker, it ends up having one of those performances where, you know, when they say, oh, nobody's feeding the striker, he's not getting enough touches. So I think for now, the best version of Arsenal probably has Gabriel Jesus in it. But what that means in terms of Arsenal being able to hit those heights, I think means they don't reach them. Your main striker can't be a striker that we're looking at halfway through the season. He only has three goals, you know, in the league. And he's going to struggle to maybe hit double figures. Um, that's just absolutely damning, especially that's where... Terrible. Saka's not a goal scorer. I think Saka's an all-round player. He's going to score. He's going to create. Most of the time, he's going to have a at least a 7 out of 10 performance. He just mm -hmm. generally plays well, right? But he's not a shooter. Martinelli, I thought they were trying to groom him into that kind of shooter type. Um, he was, he is, he's, for me, out of the front three, he's the one I feel like is like a sharp shooter. So I'm, I'm really surprised by how, how poor he's been this season. But I don't think he's... For me, I don't think he's been poor at like finishing because I don't think a lot of the chances are falling to him. Right, I think, agreed. He's not I getting this chances. Yeah, this is it. This is it because I can't say like this guy's performing badly in front of goal because I don't think he's had like loads of opportunities in front of goal. I think it's more a case of like you're actually just playing crap as a touchline winger and you're not really. I feel like for whatever reason he's not really getting the same amount of chances he got last season right because well, they're blaming they're blaming that partly on Havertz and the fact those two don't have a good relationship on the pitch Zinchenko I don't know if it's influenced this season as much as it was last season necessarily and then when you factor in how poorly he's doing defensively it all gets very messy but teams are playing Arsenal differently Last mm -hmm. season, they got a lot of space, you know, and those guys, Saka, Ay, Saka, Martinelli, were able to get about 10 one-on-ones a game each to just go at their man. And if they weren't going at their man, they were getting found with balls in behind. Guys are respecting you now. Guys are sitting off, you know. Guys are sitting off and they're happy to have their fullbacks really tight and deep and to say, yep, not happening today for you. So then the question is that when teams start to defend you like that, when they start to defend you like a top team and your top players, how do you respond to that? 
Because that's what the big players get, right? That's what players who are at the top level get. That's what Salah's been getting in this league for the best part of a decade, right? That's what Riyad Mahrez used to get when he was in this league, you know? And we can go through all the names of different wide players. So these players need to rise their level, you know? And really show that they're able to sit on that top table because that's what Arsenal need if they want to win. Um, I think they're fine as players currently, but another level needs to be found. Is Arteta the man to find that for them? Time will tell. Uh, ruler well Thank you, brother. Ruler of Gap. Why do Arsenal fans hold Emery to a higher standard than Arteta? Ooh, wee! Can I turn that up again? This is a beautiful question. Why do Arsenal fans hold Emery to a higher standard? You know what's funny? I saw like the likes of Shell, the German dad, be like, oh, typical Emery dropping a 2-0 two, lead. Bro. Your, your manager dropped like two when it matters, bro. He back actually, back. actually, he actually shat his pants, fam. Yeah, and they're like, "Oh, this is what I mean about Emery." So I was like, "What? What? Being two points off top of Aston Villa? Is that what you mean about Emery?" Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough, brother. I think what's happened now is obviously he's doing really well. Right? It's the football, yeah. Because I can yeah. I feel like Emery had Emery. It was horrific football in a lot of games for. Arsenal and their fans, so they just can't get with that. And I can get it. I understand that. I just and I don't think so the back up of Wenger as well, whereby that's where they're used to having like a major football, and you you have such a juxtaposition in terms of styles of play. You know, that can only be that can only be quite you know scarring. That's but then again, cool. that's cool, and I, I agree with you guys in that regard. But that's his time at Arsenal. Don't try mm. and use that to denigrate what he's exactly. Achieving. That's how it's going to come on to you. Can't then yeah. you know, use as a stick to beat him with. You know. It's like when a player, you know, plays for your club, you know, they didn't do amazingly well, but they didn't go to another team and like, oh, yeah, but I know the true them. I saw what they were doing at my club. And it's like... I I'd get behind that. I'd, I'd get behind that. <laughs> <laughs> you got to play your mind, don't you, brother? you got to play your yeah. mind. I used to love it. The other day where I was like, you know them um, agendas which you can't, like, bring up all the time because the person doesn't do enough for you to... He's like, so there are still people who are tear around and they've had to be quiet. All this time, basically, off the back of these two losses, we never left. We never left. So I hear it. I hear it. You know, sometimes you just see a player in a dysfunctional team and you see their inability to really make anything happen, which is always kind of a bit of a barometer that we have of the, the better players. The game's easier for you. So you're able to thrive in the position where players below your level um, are struggling. And you see them go to a nice functional team and they start to do really well. It was the, 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 it's, like, it's probably somewhere in the middle, you know, probably somewhere in the middle. I think if I'm looking at the teams who are doing really well, just based on Emery and my experience of him, if I had to back a team to fall off, probably be Villa. Probably would be Villa. That's what I do with Pereira and Alanga. Same. Pereira was giving guys a spinneroonie today, you know? <laughs> hit, the cross, hit the crossbar with a free kick uh, late on to make it 3-1. And he creates chances really well for Fulham and he's proven to be a Premier League player. I watched him for United. I don't want to hear about it. Oh, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, go on, yeah, we robbed you. you great favour. Yeah, well done, man. My talk was about Atlanta. Same okay. thing. Yeah, they want me to miss... <laughs> cool, that was a great question. Um... Somebody said Odegaard was poor today. I didn't think he was. I'm, I'm going to eat that question in the shirt as well, by the way, actually. Now I think about it. <laughs> 12 play UK. Odegaard poor in another away game as Perth. Can Arsenal improve on him? Did you guys think he was poor today? No. I didn't think he was good. I feel like his form has been really good. Yeah, in he's, he's improved yeah, recently. He started yeah. off the first, like, 
Like, first couple well, games, he's, game, he's it was deep. despicable, but since then, yeah. he's been like really good. Yeah. I think he's just okay today. If a guy doesn't play sick, doesn't mean that they were bad. Exactly. Doesn't mean they're bad. Yeah, exactly. It just means he just had a eh, performance. Next, exactly. Next question mm-hmm. from Miles B9, B93. Now that it's clear Manchester United will never be great again, will Muga be renamed? No, it won't be renamed. Because I like that question. The sun will shine on you again. Yeah. Do I have to say it? The sun will shine on us again, brother. That's low key. That's a low key quote. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next one is uh, Januga ninety five. New Year's blessings to the TLF speakers and community. Will Mikel's poor player management and odd scouting come back to hurt Arsenal in the future, or is it happening at this moment? <laughs> I love the load of questions. Odd scouting is brilliant. Odd scouting, though. That's a brilliant. What term. are you going to call Havertz if not odd scouting? <laughs> Beats me. What did you think you could Beats me scouting? Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I think we're watching it now. I think we're watching the result of him trying to strengthen the squad. The, the club didn't want Havertz. He was the one who, who he had massive equity, obviously, off the back of last season. Is that? Trust me, I can change him. You know, that's what he said to them. And we're watching first half of the season. It hasn't quite. Materialized, Declan Rice. I think is a, is a good signing. I just think we would question the like this. You said you don't have to pay these prices for these players, right? Hundred and five million for a really good defensive midfielder who has clear limitations, which would potentially show in a team like Arsenal. So we'll see. We'll make the decisions at the end of the season, as we always do. Um, and they may dip into the January transfer window to maybe get another attacker. Because I know one thing about Mikel Arteta: he's relentless. We saw him get another goalkeeper just to have them tussle it out. And you know when he's not happy with this team because at full time when they ask him questions about a specific player, he'll say, the team did very well today. These guys, man, downloaded the pep. Um, what about that one when he was talking about the car being stuck in traffic and it's a different route you can take? Just answer the question, brother. Pep could do that because he's got the trophies and he's got the equity, and people convince themselves there's genius teachings in his anecdotes. You ain't done that, my guy. It's not even just that. If that's you, that's you, innit? Okay, cool. You're weird, you. All right, cool. We know a couple he's weird He's not weird, weird, bro. He's not You're weird. You're not weird, you. You're just a beg. <laughs> just a beg. <laughs> not weird. Cool. Um, <laughs> Mede don't care. Should Arsenal still pay West Ham more money for Declan Rice? <laughs> no. Um... There's a few more questions, but listen, it's New Year's Eve. We've been on here for almost two hours. Um, so I wanted to thank you guys for, for stopping by again this Sunday. I want to thank the listeners um, who've been with us all year and even before this year. Uh, 2024, I'm very much looking forward to it with Touchline and obviously uh, what is proving to be a very interesting Premier League season. Lads, it's always a pleasure. Peace. Peace. Yo, yo, when I spit bars in a ring, man, I go hard, like Santan. Sports Social Podcast Network.